Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is going on? Welcome to CFB Unfiltered, and we are here to talk about the playoffs coming up. I am your host, Josh Taylor, and joining me is Donovan White, and uh, Blaine Gilmer is down in Miami enjoying uh, South Beach while uh, Georgia and Michigan get ready to uh, kick off this Friday, and we'll talk about that. But Donovan, we've had a lot of good bowl games going on. We've got two going on right now. Uh, Clemson and uh, Iowa State just wrapped up. We have Oregon and Oklahoma going at it. And we've got a lot of really good betting opportunities this bowl season, especially in the playoffs, which we will definitely talk to you all about. But as always, Believe Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to place all of your sports bets. All you have to do is go over to the new website and sign up today on your mobile device or desktop. And use the code Believe50, that is B L E A V 50, and get a 50% bonus. And right now is the perfect time because there's still a lot of good bowl games left. Donovan, honestly, I've probably bet on every single bowl game <laughs> that hasn't gotten canceled so far and made some good money. Mississippi State lost me a good chunk yesterday. I'm not going to talk about that one because it's extremely disappointing. Uh, but all you have to do is go over to the website and sign up today. Like I said, Bet online is the fastest way to get all of your sports bets in. Bet online where the games begin. And man, Donovan, we have two great playoff games for us. It seems like it's finally building up. It feels like it's finally playoff time, and we're going to talk about that today. How you feeling? I know Ohio State's got their game with Utah <laughs> coming up. You're kind of feeling that. It's weird because Ohio State has a lot of people sitting out, and I haven't seen one person for Utah sit out yet. What's your no, thoughts on that? They're ready to rock and roll. Um, you know, when when you get on that big stage uh, for any program, regardless if it's Ohio State, it's the Rose Bowl. Um, and so I, I understand um, from Ohio State standpoint, I've seen a few players talking about they're excited for it. They can lie to the public as much as they want. That's fine. Um, but you know, Utah credit them. I saw their sick helmets they had with the U and the Rose. Those are awesome. Um, yeah, yeah twenty two and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, it, it looks awesome. But Chris Olave out. Um, Garrett Wilson. Uh, our starting left tackle and Haskell Garrett are starting D tackle. They're out, uh, but it provides opportunity for some of those young guys to step in that are talented four or five stars themselves. But playoff wise, um, it seems that every bowl game has been getting better. Uh, it seems like the first few were kind of a little slow, right? And then you got a little more excitement, even for all the ones that were canceled um, due to COVID concerns. But I'm ready for it. Um, I'm ready for some certain things to happen that I, I, I think you as an Alabama fan are, uh, ready to happen as me as a Cincinnati hater. Uh, I'm very ready to happen. So we'll see how this goes. Look, I will surprise a lot of people tonight because I think Cincinnati is going to show up and surprise a lot of people. Um, but even tomorrow, there's a lot of good games. We got Sam Howell in possibly his final game. He's actually playing against South Carolina. So I'm excited to see that as a guy who loves watching these quarterbacks, um, Tennessee, Purdue, Pittsburgh, and uh, Michigan state, you know, without Kenny Pickett, of course. So I think that's still a great peach bowl. Um, and then Wisconsin, Arizona state, a good big 10 pac 12 matchup between two uh, really good teams. And then some more after that on Friday. But, of course, it is the playoff games we have to talk about. So let's start. We'll get it out the way. Alabama, Cincinnati. I've been, you know, talking to my uncle that made me a huge diehard fan all week long. Like, all right, could they do this? Like, 
could it actually be like the upset that just surprises everybody? So let's just do a little review of the season. Cincinnati, obviously 13 and 0, undefeated. Everyone said, look, they are for real. They have to be in the playoffs. And I think they finally proved themselves at the end of the season. The most impressive wins, which, you know, you can make the argument that there aren't many. Obviously, beating Notre Dame 24 13, like in the middle of the season, was impressive at Notre Dame. Um, and just showing Desmond Ritter saying like, hey, we can win these big games. Notre Dame was a quality opponent, almost made the playoffs themselves. If, you know, they possibly would have beat Cincinnati, they'd be in the playoffs. And then, of course, uh, SMU handled them very well, 48-14, to and then beating Houston in the AAC Championship, 35-20. to And Houston showed, you know, they beat a really good Auburn team in their bowl game. You know, shout out to Houston for that. Appreciate that as an Alabama fan. So just looking overall at Cincinnati season, we questioned them all season long, saying like they do not belong in the playoffs. And now it's finally here. They they are there. They want that 60 minutes with Alabama, and they're going to get it. How do you feel that Cincinnati season went? You know, I think it was, um, and as a former Group of Five player with the MAC um, myself, uh, if if they weren't my rival, right, and from college, and you can call it a rivalry now, it's been a almost two decades of bad luck against them. But as a, as a former player and as a former group of five player, uh, putting aside our rival, I loved it. I mean, I mean, honestly, they accomplished what teams like Western Michigan um, in 2016, that 2016 or 2016, 2017 year. Um, and teams like, uh, you know, like uh, BYU has tried to done in the past, right. Or even coastal just, you know, last year weren't as high up as them, but teams like them have tried to do right. They've tried to put a name out for themselves, and they did, right? They got some near six attention. They got some some hype from Barstool and ESPN and from fans, but Cincinnati did all of it. They put it all together. They didn't do it based off of luck. They did it with a top two-round quarterback, potentially first-round quarterback in Desmond Ritter. They did it with the best defensive back uh, duo we've seen in probably a couple of years. Um, in, our, in a long time, exactly. They did it with a, a proven coach, right, not some one-hit wonder. Um, they did it slowly uh, with the, with their program re- rebuilding and then getting to the point where they were. Their season was as perfect as you can get um, for them, but for a group of five school. But for, I mean, for honestly, any school out there, if you told a school from any Power Five conference coming in, hey, you're going to go 13 and 0, you're going to win your championship, you're going to win your conference championship, and you're going to play in the playoffs, they'd say, that's fantastic. Right? That's that that's awesome. Right? If, and exactly. If it wasn't Alabama or Georgia or Clemson or Ohio State, any other team would be like, that is the best season we've ever had in the history of our school. Let's do that. It's great. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for them. Take away the Red Hawk side. Yeah, I agree. Um, just looking at it, and you mentioned like the Corey Davis, Western Michigan days. That was that was such a fun mm-hmm. team. And then, like I said, with Coastal last year, taking BYU on short notice, BYU traveling to uh, Myrtle Beach, and Zach Wilson-led team. All the you know publicity was towards them and towards that team. It turned out to be one of my favorite games last year, not just because I went to Coastal Shots up, by the way. Um, but just still, it's so hard, like you said, going 13-0. It, mm-hmm. It's so hard. It doesn't matter where you are, who you play. It's just like the NFL. Like Anybody can show up. They say any given Sunday. I think the same could be said on Saturdays. Yes, you know the teams will dominate, but look, ask Alabama. They lost mm-hmm. to Texas A&M when they shouldn't have, especially against that team, the way that they've been performing lately. So anything's possible. I don't doubt Cincinnati at all. And the more I look at Cincinnati, the more I break them down, the more impressed I am with the talent they have. And it's a lot of leadership. It's a lot of veteran guys on this team. Like you said, Luke Fickle is the kind of coach that you want to play around. So to me, it's no surprise that they are where they are. And I think they've earned it and they've earned that right. And now you just have to show up for Alabama. 
And I said one of the very first episodes we did this season was with Desmond Ritter. I was a big fan of him last year. I said, Desmond, my challenge, this was the one guy I challenged this season. I said, I want you to run less and throw more. I want to see how much you really can depend on your arm. And he did that a lot this year. He cut down his running a ton. His attempts were way up in passing this year. And it's come with a lot of good and it's come with a lot of bad. You've seen the mistakes, but you've seen that he's been able to make these big time throws too. So he finishes 234 for 355, 3,190 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, and he does have that eight interceptions. But like I said, he he really stepped it up. He challenged himself, and you could tell that was the one thing he really wanted to do this season. If you ask the draft scouts, people talking about like, oh, I don't know how he's going to translate well to the NFL. A lot of people compared him to Colin Kaepernick, um, same body size. I think mm-hmm. he could possibly, you know, be in that realm of, you know, athleticism, being able to run with his feet. He does a phenomenal job. But they're like, look, Colin could let that thing rip. Like, don't let it, don't let it fool you. Like when he was at Nevada, even at uh, San Francisco 49ers, he could throw that ball. So they really wanted him to be able to do that more. And I think he has. So compared to last year and this year, do you think Desmond Ritter's really taken that step, not only as, you know, being able to play in the league, but as a starting quarterback for Cincinnati for them to go 13-0? I think he has. I think uh, coming into this season, uh, we thought just from a draft wise and top quarterback wise, we thought Spencer Rattler. And we probably thought Sam Howell were going to be the top two quarterbacks. Spencer Rattler obviously didn't happen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Sam Howell still seems like a first round pick, um, but it, it, you know now it's really Kenny Pickett and uh, Malik Willis up there, right? And Matt Corral. Matt Corral. Um, yep. De- so Desmond Ritter, I don't think took a step as you know going from okay, he probably would have been a second rounder last year, like oh, he's a top five pick. But he put himself in there as probably a as a, a probably a first round pick, right? With some of the interesting quarterback options um, that I think a lot of people think is a weak class. I think there's some guys in there that have a chance to be studs. Um, and Desmond Ritter, I remember when he came in as a freshman in 2017, we played against him, and he was super skinny dude. Um, knew he had the talent, but he's more of a runner first, right? He was a runner first, but he wasn't like Lamar Jackson, you know, RG three type athletic. So it was like, oh, it was interesting. He's got to develop an arm. The comparison that that I th- think he could have in the league one day, if he's in the right system, if he develops right, and uh, you know, don't throw him under the bus, everyone. But Josh Allen is a comparison that I think is similar to, minus the cannon of an arm. Josh Allen is a cannon of an arm. Yeah, but Desmond Ritter, if he exactly, if he puts on a little bit more weight, he's got kind of that similar running ability. He's probably a little bit faster than Josh Allen, honestly. He's got that poise in the pocket, right? He's got that accuracy. He did a lot of this in Cincinnati without a great offensive line, right? With decent running back crew and decent wide receiver tight end crew, but not, no elite talent around him. So similar to what Josh Allen kind of did. Um, that's where I think his ceiling could be if he gets to the right system. Again, the 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 deep ball and and the arm strength is probably never going to eclipse Josh Allen because that's just a natural talent thing. Yeah. But he's got a shot to go out with a bang um, coming against Alabama and potentially if they move forward. Yeah, it's funny because I remember watching the game um, this year, Bills versus Patriots, and like that snow windstorm. Mm-hmm. They were talking. They actually showed a picture of Josh Allen's like form, how much it changed at his combine at Wyoming, and yeah. then um, him in the league, and how much just the mechanics and how much you can improve as a passer just that little bit. And he struggled his first two years in the NFL, and now he's taken off as one of the top quarterbacks in the league, if not, you know, just the AFC. But um, I could see like that run ability is a hard nosed guy. He's not afraid to lower shoulder, take some hits. And like I said, he he has been running less this season, but still has 100 rushes, 371 yards, and six touchdowns. So like he's still lethal on his feet, especially in the red zone. Like you have to account for his legs, for his running ability to be able to score. Um, but a guy who has no problem using his legs to score is Jerome Ford, and I'm not going to call him 
the Alabama transfer because he says he's sick of it. He hates it. And it's funny. Someone said, all right, well, give us back that ring, <laughs> those rings you want. But, you know, it's no love lost. I love Jerome Ford. He went somewhere. And this is a story of transferring to a place and thriving and taking off. And I think, you know, he would have a big role at Alabama this year just because of the injuries and the depth concerns that we have at running back right now. But Jerome Ford putting up some ungodly numbers, 200 rushes, 1,242 yards, and 19 touchdowns. But just like Alabama, Cincinnati does not have depth at running back. It is him, and then it's pretty much the little bit of Ritter. So I, I think a lot of this game is going to depend on Jerome Ford's legs, but he has shown some home run abilities to be able to just bust off these long runs. Do you think he's going to be able to do that against an Alabama defense with that front four? And then you've got guys like Henry Totoa, Christian Harris, Dallas Turner, and that second level kind of waiting for Jerome Ford. It's interesting. This is one of the matchups of Cincinnati's offensive line slash running backs against Alabama's front seven. Uh, and I don't think, and I think you agree, you know, Will Anderson um, has been arguably the best defensive player in college football this year, arguably the best player in college football this year. You could make the argument for it, right? Um, Bam, but that being said, Bama's front seven hasn't been that consistent um, all year. Um, the, the thing that has been interesting with this matchup is can Cincinnati's O-line get a push, right? Because they could beat up on weaker teams, right? They, they could do that. But I cannot overstate how important the talent difference is at these schools. This isn't Cincinnati versus Pitt. This isn't Cincinnati versus Ole Miss, right? This isn't Cincinnati versus Wisconsin. This is Cincinnati versus Alabama, who is getting nothing but five- and four-star recruits. That is all they are getting in freaks of nature. That size and that strength and that speed and that talent difference – cannot be overstated in this game. Um, and so I think the biggest thing with Cincinnati is can their front five and the O-line get a push in that front seven? If they can't get the running game going, I don't think Desmond Ritter has enough around him or would have enough time in the pocket um, with those passers coming out of his neck to be able to make plays, which is what I think is going to happen in this scenario. With that, That is one of the key matchups, I think, in this game for Cincinnati. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Ritter not really having too many weapons. He has Alec Pierce, who's been phenomenal yeah. this season. 50 catches, 867 yards, and eight touchdowns. He's going to the Senior Bowl, mm -hmm. but that's it. He hasn't really that's shown. It. There's been a couple flashes outside of that, but Alec Pierce has been the guy. So I feel like for Alabama's defense, you have to focus on one, containing you know Ritter. If he decides to run, whether it's on the middle and the outside, being able to stop the run with Jerome Ford, but then just taking out Alec and making someone else step up for that Cincinnati wide receiving core, tight ends, does it matter? But I think that is huge. And I, I don't know if Cincinnati is capable of doing that against this defense. Mm -hmm. Now, there's been some guys in the D-line. Like, I know you say four or five stars. There's been some guys like DJ Dale um, who've been, you know, disappointing. We've seen a couple runs, you know, go against the uh, the defense. Like I said, you saw texting them move the ball. The uh, wide receivers, you know, breaking on some of the guys in secondary. Weidermeyer doing his thing for Texas A&M. So there's definitely holes in this defense because his defense is so inconsistent. Um, but I think Will Anderson, like you said, best defensive player in college football. It's mm -hmm. not even close. Then you've got a guy, Phil Darius Mathis, who reminds me a lot of Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Allen when he first came to Alabama. Just that disrupt, uh, disruptive inside D lineman who can get to the quarterback. He's been getting better and better as the season goes forward. So I think if they can get to Ritter, it's going to be a long day for Ritter. Now, mm -hmm. you get Cincinnati off the field. You finally get the ball in your Heisman quarterback, Bryce Young's hands. This is where things can get interesting because you have, like you said, probably the best cornerback duo 
I think I've ever seen in college football. And, and that's coming from, you know, all the Alabama defenses. I'm not afraid to say this is possibly the best one. And that is Ahmad Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, who is switching his uh, number to number eight for this playoff game so out of respect for Kobe Bryant, who he's named after. But I can't stress enough how good these guys are. So first off, Kobe Bryant won the Jim Thorpe winner. And you can make the argument that Ahmad Garter is even better than better. he is. He's a first uh, first team All-American. Kobe Bryant was a second team All-American. Ahmad Gardner has never allowed a touchdown scored on him in his entire over 1,000 career snaps at Cincinnati. I don't think you can stress that enough. I don't care who they play. It doesn't matter. Not allowing a touchdown in over 1,000 snaps in your entire college career is the most unheard of thing. I couldn't even do that in the college football game like I was doing like my road to glory like as a corner. It doesn't happen. It is unheard of to have a stat like that. And his, um, I was looking at um, like his stats this year. People are like, oh, well, he doesn't have a lot of interceptions and pass deflections. Like he has four pass deflections, three interceptions, one forced fumble. It's because no one's dumb enough to throw to him. <laughs> you don't want to throw it to a Montgarter. And if you decide not to, you still have Kobe Bryant on the other side. I think this can be a legit threat because John Mechie's out. It mm -hmm. is Jamison Williams who is. I would say one of the top wide receivers in this class coming up, one of the top wide receivers in college football. I know you have two guys at Ohio State that can make that argument as well, but you have the best, I will say, corner in the league with Sauce Gardner and, in my opinion, the best wide receiver, Jameson Williams, going at it. This is the most exciting matchup in the entire playoffs. You have a guy who scored 15 touchdowns this season and a guy who has never allowed one in his college career. This is two Rhino's just going at it. Who mm -hmm. actually wins this matchup? Well, I think this is the matchup that can decide, not necessarily the game, just because I think there's so much in Alabama's favor um, overall that, that could still sway the game. This is the matchup, I believe, that really determines um, – at the base at the base level how close of a game this is honestly we yeah. saw how alabama did without john mechie right against auburn uh, for extended periods of time they, they struggled though they struggled they struggled, they, 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 struggled. Yep. They, they struggled their offense struggled without another threat on the outside at wide receiver um uh, james williams i mean for for sauce gardner for kobe bryant these guys, whoever is on him, right? If they decide to, you know, to shadow one of them, or they play, you know, both play him at times, which they should, because you know, they're two elite corners. Uh, th this is a kind of guy, you know, not even speed wise, because you don't see, you don't see many uh, guys in the NFL with his kind of speed, right? Jameson Williams is fast, fast. He, this matchup is going to prove one of two things. It's going to prove that Jameson Williams is arguably the best wide receiver in college football this year, or it's going to prove that Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, whichever one or both, um, are probably number one, number two corners in, in college ball this year. Uh, and either, either way, you could still have a great game from, from all three of them, a horrible game from all three of them. If you shut down Jameis Williams or if you limit him, right, if you take away half of his normal targets, half of his normal open opportunities, Bryce Young is going to struggle because – as much as I overstate, you know, or not overstate, but as much as I say that Cincinnati's offensive line is not very good, their defensive line is legit, um, especially from pass rushing opinion, in my point, in my opinion. And I don't think Bama's offensive line, again, has not played consistent this year. If you have no open options as Bryce Young, you're sitting there, you're, you're going to get attacked. You're going to get attacked by the Cincinnati defense line at front seven. I think in the end, I do think Jameis Williams wins the matchup. Um, I think his speed, his quickness is elite. 
um, as an Ohio State fan, if there's any others listening, Ted Ginn is the name that I, that comes to mind. That kind of wiry, lightning fast, quick guy um, it reminds me of almost almost of a, a, a like Deshaun Jackson way, but just a little more in his is is a crisp uh, route tree arsenal. Yeah. Exactly, Deshaun Jackson's just wild. He yes. <laughs> he doesn't run around. He just gets no. down the field quick. He does what he wants. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. This this Cincinnati. Defense also has a great pass rush. They have 37 mm -hmm. uh, team sacks this season. Uh, Majai Sanders, another guy who's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Darren Beavers, one of the best linebackers in uh, college football. Joel Dublanco, another linebacker with 106 tackles this season, five and a half sacks and one interception, one forced fumble. And then a D-line led by Curtis Brooks, who has seven and a half sacks and one forced fumble. So we saw which Alabama offensive line is going to show up. Is it going to be the Georgia offensive line that just completely took Jordan Davis and that D line out of the equation? Or is it going to be the iron bowl defense? I mean, offensive line where it was just nonstop pressure on, on Bryce young. So if you get pressure on Bryce young, you're taking away Jameson Williams and he's forced to make these throws like Kobe Bryant can intercept passes. Amon mm -hmm. Gardner can create turnovers. Darian Beavers can create turnovers. So there's going to be opportunities for Cincinnati. Like that is the blueprint. First off is being able to get to Bryce Young. If you don't and you allow him to really go through his reads and say, all right, Jameson Williams isn't open on this play. Let me, you know, check it down to Latou. I think this is a big game where two different positions can thrive for Alabama. And that's the tight ends. I think it's about time that uh, Cameron Latou comes back. You know, it, it's been quiet throughout the season. You know, he came on strong against Miami and you're like, oh man, like, Billingsley's not pay, like playing. It was really confusing. There's a lot going on with that situation. Then he finally came on later on. So I feel like those two tight ends can have a big game. I'm not talking like OG Howard against Clemson big, but enough to make a difference to where if Jameson Williams is covered, you have guys that can make plays in the middle of the field. But I think this game comes down to Brian Robinson. This might be a hot take. I'm calling 150 yards, two touchdowns on the ground for B-Rob. I think he is the player of the game for us. I think that uh, Cincinnati is not going to be able to stop the run. I think they're going to be too worried about Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young can use his feet too, like we saw against uh, Tennessee when he really started coming out of the pocket and you know extending plays like we knew he did in high school. But I think that this really comes down to Brian Robinson running the ball. So can Cincinnati create turnovers and can they run Jerome Ford on Alabama? I think they'll get some opportunities. I think they'll, you know, create some turnovers, but I don't think they'll be able to move the ball and score as much as Alabama. So quite frankly, I think this one comes down to uh, Alabama. I want to say 42 to 24. Hmm. You're giving Cincinnati too much credit. And, and I'll say this, everyone, uh, if, if this time on Friday, Cincinnati, uh, keeps it close and when i say keep it close i don't mean alabama imploding and doing everything wrong and cincinnati getting lucky i mean cincinnati flat out beating them on plays right whether it's they win or keep it close i'll come on here next week and i will eat my own words right i'll say listen credit to the bearcats not if they get lucky if, if bama's playing the worst of their lives i'm not i'm refused we would. um but it's yeah, you know, I mean it's it's not impossible. That being said, um, I think Bama got a bye week um into the national championship. I think they're gonna see a lot of their starters resting in the fourth quarter. Um, and I think Alabama destroys the Bearcats. Um, I'll go 42 and I'm gonna go Cincinnati 17. Um I, I I really don't see a scenario where this team, Cincinnati team, um 
has a chance to other than playing a perfect game in Alabama, playing a horrible game. Um, and it's a shame to all the Bearcat fans out there, all the group of five fans out there. Um, this is what you wanted. You wanted a group of five team to make the playoffs, make the, make the final four. Now you're going to see what happens when that, when, when that does happen, right? You got to, you got to play the juggernaut, right? When you come for the best, you better swing hard. Cause I promise you, you can swing as hard as you want Cincinnati. I don't know how much it's going to hurt Alabama. So you don't see a Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey happening at all. Not no. a, a good old head kick that just takes Alabama out of it. Nope. I mean, for, for me, it just comes down to, I don't think Desmond Ritter can do enough to make big plays. I mean, I'm talking about Malachi Moore. Jordan Battle was one of the best safeties in college football. You know, he's a turnover machine. He's not afraid to take one to the house like we saw against Georgia. I just think if you take Alec Pierce out of the game for Ritter, he just doesn't have enough of a supporting cast around him to make big plays and to score on these home run plays like Jameson Williams can. So I think Alabama just has too much of an offense. I think they get some turnovers on defense as well. Will Anderson, I cannot wait to see him against Desmond Ritter. That's a great matchup. Just being able to get to a, a running quarterback like Ritter. So I, I think Alabama wins this one. You think they win even more than me, which is surprising. But you do hate Cincinnati, and I do love Despise Alabama. Them. So we'll see. I think the line on that one is 13 and a half right now for take Alabama. It. So take it. He's saying take it over under 57 and a half. How do you feel about that? Uh, that one's tough. It was because close I, for your prediction. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough because if that is somehow a close game, um, I don't really see it being a shootout, right? Just because if it's close, I think that means Bama's offense is struggling. Uh, I don't think it's just a complete shootout. Uh, I, I'd probably lean towards the under, right? Probably lean towards it just because if anything, I'd see Cincinnati's offense struggling more um, than against Bama's defense and vice versa with Bama's offense against Cincinnati's defense, in my opinion. Yeah, I, this one's this one's tough because I do think Alabama's going to run the ball a lot, even though it's pretty much just B-Rob and then uh, Trey Sanders running it. I think that could help it. You know, if they milk the clock, really just take control of the game, kind of like a... Uh, national championship game against Notre Dame, just uh, Eddie Lacy running over everybody kind of game. It could get towards that over under, you know, under 57 and a half if it's more of like a 35, 10, 35, 7 kind of game to where it's just milking the clock but scoring at will kind of game. But I don't know. I, I think Cincinnati's defense is going to surprise some people, but I think Alabama just, you know, scores at the end, I think they get a, a defensive touchdown, which, you know, we're used to seeing at Alabama. I haven't seen it too much this season. Like mm -hmm. I said, Jordan Battle got that pick six against Georgia. So I think that's something that could push it over. Or if Desmond Ritter is able to, you know, score 21 plus points, 21 to 24 range, then I think you're safe. So I don't know. I'm definitely taking 13 and a half, but that over under is pretty tough. So we'll see on that one. But of course, this one, I know Blaine's getting ready for it in Miami. Uh, there's some question marks. I was looking at some things. There might be a star player from Michigan not playing. Mm -hmm. We'll see. He, I, the, people are saying he has made the trip. Some people are saying he hasn't made the trip. But this is a Michigan versus Georgia. And Georgia is a 7.5-point favorite right now. And the over-under is 45.5. I feel like that's a good line. This is a, you know, a good defensive run game. Um, but Michigan went 12-1 and this season. Of course, lost to Michigan State in uh, uh, Kenneth Walker's just mm -hmm. showing out party. And then after that, he was like, that's all I needed to do this season. Appreciate y'all. And then of course, I have to say it beating Ohio State finally 42 to 27. And then just dominating an Iowa team that frankly should not have even been in the championship game. They should have just done another replay of uh, Ohio State in Michigan. So, you know, 12 and one. We've been so hard on Harbaugh. 
I know it's going to kill you, but just say one good thing about Michigan. The one good thing about Michigan is has been their culture, um, especially this season. Um, me as an Ohio State fan has has thrown shade at that for a while, um, but it, it's taken a while for Michigan to build up to where they at. It's where they where they are this year, um, and I think that's a knock on Harbaugh. But this year, their culture has been impeccable. They heard all the noise coming in, right? Of uh, Michigan. I mean, we in in the Big Ten preview, I I had them in, like five and seven, right? I was like, this is your Harbaugh gets fired. Done. Goodbye. Um, you know, they heard the noise from that. They heard the noise of Ohio State's going to score hundred points on them, right? They heard that it's Ohio State's division to run and, and Penn State going to come back, right? They heard all of that. Yet the guys in that locker room and Jim Harbaugh stuck together. Um, they, they did it with, you know, an imperfect, you know, uh, passing attack on offense. They did it with, with injuries. They did it with, with COVID still this year. They did it against a juggernaut of a schedule. That is the thing I'll say about them is that unlike Ohio State, um, unlike Michigan State, which they're still early in in Mel Tucker's uh, uh, you know coaching career there, uh, unlike a lot of these teams, Clemson, their their team stuck together through a loss, right through hardships. That is that that I think has been they have been one of the best teams, one of the most elite teams culture wise this season. Yeah, they could have easily folded over, like you said. Michigan mm-hmm. State kind of did. They they were riding high. Same with Oregon, just collapsing yeah. to Utah late in the season. And then Clemson, Lord, we could talk about them for a long time. Um, but I think the thing that really surprised me the most is we knew Cade uh, McNamara was very limited as a quarterback. Like we knew they didn't have this, you know, leader of a quarterback who can make plays. And from what we've seen in Michigan's offense the last few years with Gaddis has just been boring like they put people in the league like uh donovan people's jones were like gosh these poor guys are stuck at michigan where their offense just doesn't exist and now they have the best offensive line in college football and easily the best running back duo in college football and they are just running the ball at will on people and you can't stop them and Cade mcnamara like he's just like i don't even have to do much he went 199 for 308 this season uh 2470 yards only 15 touchdowns and only four interceptions. And he was only sacked seven times this season. So, like I said, you got the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line up there, running the ball at will with Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Haskins, this guy alone could have put up big numbers. I would love to see what these numbers would have looked like if it was just him running the ball all season Mm -hmm. long. He had 261 uh, rushes for 1,288 yards and 20 touchdowns. That is insane but it's like okay so like no one else ran the ball like no blake quorum had 141 rushes 939 yards and 11 touchdowns they both almost eclipsed a thousand yards themselves and had 31 total touchdowns why do you think teams know what they're going to do but yet still cannot stop that running game i i think it plays completely into the mentality uh of that team the fact i mean the joe the joe moore award is a as an offensive lineman, right? You dream of that, right? That is your just a, that that is the, precisely that, and that doesn't just extend to how well you did on the field, right? Your rushing stats, your sacks given up. That award, and and when when an offensive line gets that, they know it's not just for the performance; it's for their mentality, right? I think that offensive line uh, and those running backs as well. They knew, uh, they knew. Command said, "Hey, listen." They at some point, the OC or the O line coach told them, "Say, listen." You know, Cade is a great dude and is a and can be a game manager. But we need you to do this, right? And they set their mind to this season, saying, "Hey, we're talented enough to do this, right?" Because 
you can have the most elite mentality. You know what I always like to say when people say your mental strength can carry you for everything. I said, yeah, okay. Tell your mind you can lift a car over your shoulders and see how much that 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 helps you. So there's a limit to it. Talent has to come in. They, they were talented enough, and then the, their mind took them over over the hump with that. The 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 mental strength, the talent of that offensive line, the talent of of Karam and Haskins, uh, and the way they just bullied people this season up front is what led it to that. Because you know, even with with great quarterbacks, we never really ask that that same question. We never really ask, well, if we knew what they're going to do is throw the ball, why don't they stop them? Well, because you know, it's an elite quarterback. We all like it's just what it is. You know, why didn't anyone suck Kenny Pickett? Well, because he's going to be a top five overall pick. You know, he's going to be a pretty good NFL player from all we can see. Um, we should say the same things for units like these with offensive lines and running backs and tight ends like these. Well, why can't anybody stop them? Well, because they're an elite group, just like they're Kenny just Pickett dominant. or Matt Corral. Exactly. <laughs> they're dominant like Kenny Pickett. They're dominant like Will Anderson. They're dominant like you know Aiden Hutchinson. That's just how it is. Yeah, and, and to me, I'm really looking at this game as, you know, which quarterback can step up and make the big plays. Now, the last few games, Roman Wilson's been the wide receiver that's been big for Michigan, you know, making some of these home run plays for them. But outside of that, it's been Cornelius Johnson all season, who only has 38 catches for 609 yards and three touchdowns. And then uh, tight end Eric Gall's come in. You know, he's had his big moments throughout the season as well. Uh, 34 catches, 374 yards and two touchdowns. But they 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 rely so much on the run game, and you know we saw when Cade had to step up. He had a really good game against Michigan State until mm -hmm. it came down to that last drive where he throws a boneheaded interception. But I think you can say that on the other side of the ball too with Georgia, who we're going to talk about. But I think a lot of this game comes down to this defense for Michigan. Now this is the big question mark because you know there's some rumors floating out there that Daxon Hill might not be playing in this game for Michigan, who's one of their star defensive guys in the secondary because of COVID concerns. Nobody knows. So apparently we're going to find out tomorrow. Who knows? Blaine might know. He's just not telling us. Yeah. Um, but like that, that is a huge loss because if you have guys like Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajaba, who we're obviously going to talk about, getting pressure on Stetson Bennett, you're missing a key guy back there that could be getting these turnovers and interceptions for you, big stops, big pass breakups. He could possibly not be playing. So I think that is huge. But it might not matter if you have Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo strip sacking Stetson Bennett and just getting to him like Alabama did. Now, Aiden Hutchinson, of course, you know, Heisman finalist, people saying, where's Will Anderson? Mm. I'm going to throw the Alabama bias out. Aiden Hutchinson is a monster. If you watch this guy play, um, especially against Ohio State, the way that he can get to the quarterback is unheard of. Now, you know, we've seen Chase Young at Washington. We've seen some of these edge rush guys, the Bosa brothers coming out into the league. You watch how they play and how they perfect their craft. Aiden Hutchinson can be that kind of caliber player in the league, which is crazy to say. Just the way that he bends, the way that he you know moves his arms, his swing moves. He has so many different techniques, which is so important at that position. He just makes it look so easy. He's got 58 tackles, 15 and a half tackles for loss, and 14 sacks on the season. But he comes with a guy behind him where he's like, hey, if I'm not getting to the quarterback, this guy is. And that's a Jabo who has been a blast to watch this season at linebacker. 35 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, and 11 sacks himself. How much of an impact can these two guys have on Stetson Bennett and then also the Georgia run game just destructing mm -hmm. that backfield and not letting them get to that second level? 
Exactly. They they already have an an, an innate uh, effect on the pass game, just how of of elite pass rushers they're not even elite for the Big Ten, elite in the country of pass rushers they are. Um, so we know that they're going to be able to get after the quarterback, right? Georgia's offense tackles have to step up. I think you know even in in the in the sports world out there, it's not being talked about enough. Is their ability to to shut down the run game, right? I remember watching the Michigan-Ohio State game and seeing Ohio State fans saying, why are we running the outside? These two guys literally shut down the outside alleyways for you to run outside. Tackles cannot reach them. They can't, you know, they st- they take one step too far outside. Guess what? Hutchinson or Ojabo is going right, in, right inside the BC gap, right? And they are shutting things down, um, which I think is big because Georgia's offense, as, as well as Seth and Bennett has played at times, he hasn't shown that he's, you know, an elite quarterback that can put the, you know, the game on his shoulders and go, just go, 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 right? He needs a run game with him. And if you shut down an entire element of a run game, which is the outside zone, the stretch play, right? Option plays a lot. If you shut down that, you know, an entire half of an offense, you're shutting down more than just half of a rush game offense for Georgia. You're shutting down, you know, a third of their offense in general, because most of their offense, in my opinion, is the pass game that they have, you know, a third is the pass game. And then a third is the inside zone power kind of, you know, smash mouth football. And then the other third is more outside zone, right? Because they have the athletes to do it up front and running backs. You shut that down, which they can do. You're shutting down 33% of their offense, in my opinion. That is the unspoken huge impact of these two for this game. Yeah, and like you said, James Cook, 619 yards, seven touchdowns for Georgia. Zamir White, 718 yards and 10 touchdowns himself. So you think for Georgia, if you're running the ball, you have to go at that A-gap almost every mm-hmm. single time. Or if anything, just see where Aiden Hutchinson and Jabo is and then just run to the opposite side, right? Yep, I it was. I, I don't remember what the exact number was, but I know that it was it was below ninety. You know, overall in FBS, Michigan had they were like ninety third, ninety fourth, maybe even lower um, in run stuff rate. So basically, when when the running back hits, you know, in that A A B gap right, the interior, uh, they were not getting a lot of stop up front. So I was thinking, okay, great, we will run these dudes in the in the interior defensive line. Right. And we didn't. They showed out. So I didn't, I still never understand why Ohio State didn't do that. Uh, maybe it's the fact they were starting four offensive tackles on the offensive line. Who knows? Uh, that's what I think Georgia needs to attack. They have hogs up front. Georgia's offensive line. I don't care what happened against Alabama. I still think they're one of the best groups in the country. They should be attacking the interior of that Michigan defense. And when they do, you're going to open up more opportunities in the pass game and outside because we're going to get those defensive ends to start playing a little more tight uh, to the line of scrimmage, tight to the box. Yeah, it's funny how similar these two guys are when you're talking about like a formula to each guy winning. Like mm-hmm. you need to have a good defense. Your your front four is dominant. You need to show it. Your running game is phenomenal. Which one can run the ball better? And then which, you know, mid-tier, I'm not gonna say mediocre, but you know, not a league quarterback can make enough plays to win the game and not really cost his team. So I'm looking at Stetson Bennett. You know, he showed against Alabama, hey, you know. <laughs> If the, if the game comes down to me, I might throw a pick six to Jordan Battle. I need this run game to get going. I think you can say the same about Kate. It's not a knock on them, but mm. when you have a guy like you know Zamir White and James Cook, they have to be able to run the ball. And I think Michigan can really disrupt them, but I, I think they're so similar. I could see it going both ways, which is what's so tough about this. Now, like you said, obviously that D-line for Georgia is sick, but there's a guy, Nicobe Dean, who is a phenomenal linebacker and i think that makes the difference in coverage you know he's he's a beast in the backfield he can get to the quarterback he can disrupt the run game but his range and his just instinct to just know what's getting ready to happen he can Mm -hmm. get to the play so fast 
I think Nicobe Dean can be a big play to help stop Haskins and Corum when they're getting ready to hit that second level. When they're hitting that A gap, he can close it in and just stuff them. I think he is the deciding factor for Georgia. Yes, you have Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, uh, Trayvon Walker, Devontae Wyatt on that big <laughs> defensive line for Georgia, which is unheard Huge. of. That's just, that is, I'm sure you're excited to see that D line mm-hmm. versus this Joe Moore offensive line going at it. That is as good as it gets. That's the Jamison Williams and Sauce Gardner matchup for this game. I just think Georgia's, I know Georgia's secondary isn't that good. I think that's their weak point in the defense. You know, uh, Blaine's been saying that all season long. We, you know, obviously saw that with Jamison Williams in the SC Championship game. But I think, you know, Cena is still a great DB. But I think that second level is the difference maker. If Daxon Hill plays, that's huge for Michigan because he can be that Nicole Dean kind of, you know, safety hybrid kind of a guy from Michigan. But if not, I can't stress how how much that can really just help out Georgia with a guy when they have uh, Bowers going down the middle of the field, who is, I would say, the best freshman in college football, right? Mm-hmm. That dude is like the Travis Kelsey of college football. It is crazy how athletic a freshman tight end is already in the SEC in college football. He's a he's a big playmaker. He can make that home run ability to where it's just a quick seven points. From what you've seen in this, you know, I'll say second level and secondary from Michigan, do you really see Georgia having an opportunity, whether if it's Bowers or George Pickens, who's finally back on the team making big plays? downfield that maybe Michigan can't do with their passing game. I, I think they do. I think Michigan needs to be careful about not overcompensating a defense against Georgia's rush attack. You cannot underestimate them because we have seen Stetson Bennett not only make plays downfield plenty of times, um, we've all seen him use his legs, which just open things up naturally. It softens defense up a little bit. I put it this way, I think I think Georgia has the better chance of making plays downfield, right? Those those 10, 20, 30 yard passes, um, explosive plays in the pass game, especially. Um, they have a better chance of doing that against Michigan's defense than I think Michigan's offense does against Georgia's defense. Um, only because I think Stetson Bennett's a better quarterback than Cade McNamara. And I think um I honestly think Michigan and Georgia's defense is pretty similar. Um just Ranking-wise, talent-wise, uh, ability-wise, um, but I, I think Georgia's offense has more talent and ability um, and production behind them to make those plays against Michigan. Yeah, it's crazy to see how they've used Brock Bowers this year. You've mm-hmm. seen tight end end rounds. You've seen tight end screens. And, and he can block, me, too. He helps yeah, in the run game, too. He's awesome. Absolutely. And for me, it's just if you're bringing you know, this pass rush, you're bringing Hutchison and Ajabo, the best way to you know counteract that is with screens, whether it's with Cook, you know Zemir White. But don't be surprised if you see some plays with Bowers, you know, acting like he's going like like you said, mm-hmm. blocking and then going out for a tight end screen. And Michigan's got like four or five guys in the backfield thinking you know it's a run or Stetson Bennett still has the ball. It's just a quick dump to him. He is so fast after he gets the uh, the ball. And if you miss one tackle on him, he's scoring. I mean, like I said, being the best freshman in college football this season, seven hundred ninety one receiving yards and eleven touchdowns. It's an it's unheard of. And now they have George Pickens back who is slowly coming on. I know he only had like what two catches for I think 45 yards against Alabama, but he had a great catch on the sideline. Like he showed he can go up and get these uh passes. And he's still like as one of the top, I would say, six, seven wide receivers in this draft, mm-hmm. just because it's so deep. Like people need to remember how good Pickens is. And I think he can quickly come onto the scene and make big plays against Michigan. If they, like you said, overcompensate for the run game, kind of, you know, worry too much, like, oh, we have to get to Bennett. We have to get these sacks. We have to get these strip sacks, you know, create turnovers. 
And then next thing you know, Bowers or Pickens is in the end zone behind you. So I think this is such a good game. I'm so ready to watch this game. I, I've been going back and forth a ton on this because I'm like, which Georgia team shows out? Are we finally going to see that, you know, Georgia D line before the Alabama game disrupting uh, Cade McNamara and then stopping the run game? You're not going to be able to like completely take away the run game of Michigan, but you have to be able to contain it. I mean, these guys are averaging like five and seven yards per mm-hmm. carry. You cannot have that happen if you're Georgia. You have to hold Michigan, I want to say, to no more than what, 20, 21 points if you win this game if you're Georgia, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's what it's come down to is is how much can you limit Michigan's offense? Um, I think in the end, I, I do like the ender for this game. What was it usually 44 and a half, 45? 45 uh, and a half, yeah. 45 and a half. I love the under for this game. Um, I, I do think that Georgia honestly covers the spread, and maybe that's the Ohio State bias in me, um, but I, I think they cover the spread. I'm, I think Georgia probably wins. I'm going to go 27, and I'll go – Michigan 17 mm. um, and I think and as much as I, I don't know how I feel about this yet with the expansion of the playoffs and everything like that I think these two semifinal games are going to be reasons why people say we need an 18 we need a 12 team playoff why oh yeah because when Bama destroys Cincinnati and people go see and when well, Georgia <laughs> yeah it's like or in it and if which I think might happen if Georgia doesn't destroy Michigan but it's like you could always tell it's it's Georgia in control well, then your people are going to look at it and be like, wait a second. This is supposed to be the the best teams in the four, right? And I will go to my grave thinking that uh, Ohio State is a better team than Cincinnati and is a better team than Notre Dame. If you think otherwise, you can kick rocks. You're lying to yourself. If you think that Cincinnati is better than Ohio State, let's stop playing games here. But it just expands the argument for an 18 playoff, which is what I think is going to happen, 8-12 team playoff. That's my score, 27-17 Georgia. All right, I have it, Georgia, 24-20. But I really think Michigan has a legit shot in this game mm-hmm. just because of David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson being able to get to the quarterback and create turnovers. That's the big thing. Like they don't only just get to you, but as you've seen, they can create some turnovers for Stetson Bennett, whether it's strip sacks or he's forcing these plays like he did against Alabama. Uh, so I think it's a close one. 45 and a half. That's a. I feel like that's a lot of points for that matchup. So I think it's just under it. I got it right at 44. I don't think Georgia covers a spread of seven and a half. That that half is just too much for me. A touchdown. You can buy the half point, do it. Yeah. If you can buy the half point, I would say maybe, but I still have it as a four point game for Georgia. So once again, we have Alabama playing Georgia in the national championship game, and then college football just erupts. This, you know, it's rigged, it doesn't matter. It's a COVID season. Everyone's gonna say whatever they want about it. So that's what we think, Alabama versus Georgia, and I think Alabama wins the national championship. Sorry, Blaine, if you watch this. Um, But outside of that, what are you looking forward to as these last few weeks wrap up? It's sad to say that college football is almost over. It is. It's gone by fast. I'm I'm excited to see just some of the change, but also some of the the new players we've seen how they how they you know finish this season off. Whether it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, right, or or Haskins and Karam. And, and honestly, as an NFL fan and as a Washington fan, I'm excited to see the the draft prospects and kick that process back up because this is the last time that a lot of these guys, Matt Corral, right, Kenny or Kenny Pickett's not playing, excuse me, but Matt Corral, um, those Sam running backs Howell, in Michigan, yeah. Sam Howell, exactly. Desmond Ritter, I want to see where they finish because it does kick off a new window into football, right? You get this this bowl playoff season, you get the NFL playoffs, and then you have 
nothing unless you follow the draft, right? Then you have a long time if you don't follow the draft. Exactly. So I I implore everyone to to be excited for that. Enjoy these last this last week or so uh, and just soak it all in. Yeah, I have a four day weekend and I plan that on purpose because obviously the playoff game, I'm off Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday and Monday. But I'm also looking forward to on Saturday um, after Alabama wins their game, I can kind of relax a little bit. I know you're going to be watching Utah and Ohio State, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a great matchup with Utah's defense. Devin Lloyd is my favorite linebacker, and I'm excited to see him against C.J. Stroud and uh, Travion Henderson. Um, You know, he might get some Smith and Jigba action. We'll see. Um, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame is another Mm -hmm. really good game. You know, the Marcus Freeman day is kicking off against Mike Gundy. They've got – Oklahoma State has a lot of starters playing. Obviously, you know, Kyle Hamilton and uh, Kyron Williams are sitting out for Notre Dame, but still really good matchup. And then it ends that night with Matt Crowell versus a Dave Miranda Baylor defense. That is like, – they need to put that, that on pay-per-view. That's like a, a 1999 pay-per-view <laughs> game because Matt Crowell is going to show out. I cannot wait to see that. Um, but like you said, as soon as the season ends – We've got the Senior Bowl. I'll be going to Mobile to cover that and looking at all these good quarterbacks who are going to lead Washington to the promised land finally. Not, probably right. not. It's not looking likely, <laughs> but we can only hope. Uh, but, guys, appreciate you tuning in. Of course, we are going to be back to discuss the playoff results when Alabama wins and then Georgia squeaks by Michigan. I can't <laughs> wait to hear how uh, Blaine reacts to that, but we appreciate you all tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter at CFB Unfiltered. You can follow me at Josh Taylor CFB. And Donovan White over there at Donnie Mac 98. And like I said, this episode is presented by Bet Online. Go sign up today, get these last bets in on these bowl games. Just I'm trying to recover from uh, Mississippi State. They lost, I'm not gonna lie, they lost <laughs> yeah, me about 100 beans. So <laughs> it was a lot of money. Clemson helped me, you know, edge it a little bit, but still, I've got some making up to do. Uh, bet the house on Alabama 13 and a half. I'll take that all day. So, guys, appreciate y'all tuning in, and we will see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.